0: I'm Rebecca Rothstein and along with my co-host Leanne Daly, we'd like to welcome you to Say It Forward. Each week we'll be doing one of my favorite things to do, and that's interviewing interesting people with out of the ordinary life stories. They're all people who took a different path in life. Some never imagined the heights they would achieve, and others, well they turned their childhood dreams into reality. So let's begin.
1: Today, you will meet Matt Polson, the founder and CEO of Omaze, the online fundraising platform that offers people the chance to win a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience while supporting nonprofits around the world. Matt has partnered with top brands, influencers, and celebrities, including Michael Jordan, Bono, and Jennifer Lawrence. He's even had a campaign where someone could win a double date with George and Amal Clooney. Matt's company has raised more than $100 million for charities by making it fun and easy for people to give back. Omaze's fundraising and awareness campaigns bring together nonprofits, influencers, and donors around the world to create real, lasting impact. How did he ever figure out how to create this outstanding concept? Well, to find out, we're going to rewind to the beginning and say it forward with Matt Polson. Where are you from?
2: I'm from Laguna Beach, you're a Cal? I'm a Californian. Wow. Fourth generation.
1: Did you grow up around deep bench of family members?
2: I did. Like great-grandfather was in LA. So and then they kind of moved down. Well, the story of how my parents met is pretty funny. My dad was in the seminary to be a priest and him and his best friend decided to sneak out one weekend and hitchhike down the coast. And it was a very like intense seminary. You weren't even allowed to leave or talk to anyone. So they hitchhiked down the coast, went to his best friend Fred's house, and his little sister, his 19 year old little sister, was sitting there with the curlers on, and that's my mom.
1: Oh my god, that story is I, in my childhood. That story happened to uh, to several different families. That you know, we grew up in a big Catholic community, and it was it was kind of like wow.
2: Yeah, and so we grew up next, basically next door to Fred and his family and his daughter his oldest daughter is like six months different in age than me his middle daughter was uh six months different in age than my brother and his youngest son and my sister are like two weeks apart
1: so you had a lot of eyes on you as a kid
2: well yeah it's we also we,
0: hugely serendipitous I mean think yeah. about that you may not be here at all if that hadn't happened you
1: know so
2: oh I know were you the yeah. first I'm the oldest, yeah. Okay,
1: okay. Wow. And did they get married quickly, or did they just kind of like have hard eyes and th- things sort of took their course? How did it work?
2: They got married pretty quickly. My mom was 20 when they got married. My dad asked <laughs> her to marry him four times, and she said no, and then on the fifth time, he thought they were breaking up, and she said yes, and they'd only been dating like five months at that point. So so he went
0: from wanting to be a priest to meeting your mom to falling in love, giving up the priesthood and asking her to get married within five months?
2: From the first time they met, then he left the seminary and then went to college, and then shortly after made the move. That's amazing. Yeah. Story. Love that story. And they've been together 45 years. Oh my God. 45 years next week.
1: What was it like having that much family and pseudo family near you when you were like, you know, teenager?
2: I'm not Catholic anymore, but I went to a Catholic high school and I was on a basketball team and we were really good basketball team. Like we ended up winning the state and all, all that stuff and kind of punched above above our weight class. And we'd all been friends since we were like 10 years old. And so as a result of that group, all of our parents were also really close friends. Mm -hmm. So we had like that family Mm -hmm. and then also, you know, aunts and uncles and grandmas and all that down there too. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, I mean, the thing that makes us happiest in life is the amount of meaningful relationships That we have, you know, and meaningful relationships defined by a relationship where there's you're not getting anything from the other person, you know, and um, that's there's studies that shows that extends our life. I just got, I was in Tel Aviv last week. And I think that city is the happiest city in the world because they are the most meaningful relationships, like mm-hmm. built into the culture. Um, so having that around me growing up was, yeah. I think, helped shape who I am. So, and,
0: what happened to, so here you had this, sounds like you had a wonderful life. You have a very um, happy demeanor about you. So, you had <laughs> you have this. Such fantastic- a
1: beautiful smile. I just oh. have to stop and say, you'll see pictures of him when you look at like the podcast assets and stuff, but you have such a joyful Smile. Well, thank you. And it's just such a natural, just part of who you are.
2: I'm very grateful yeah. to be here. So
0: you grew it. Now, where did you go to college?
2: I went to Stanford.
0: So you just stayed in California for basically your whole life.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did. <laughs> when I was in Stanford, I did a semester in Washington, D.C., and then I did grad school back in Philadelphia. And so those, those periods, I was out of California, but the rest of it, I've been in California.
0: Fast forwarding to what you do now because I really want to not be short shifted on talking about what your work is. What's the history of this? And you are now at an industry that it really is an industry because there's a lot of people popping up in this space. But you're at the crossroads of uh, being a business with a charitable bias to it. So let's talk about the history and how, how, did you come up with this idea?
2: Yeah, it was me and um, my co-founder named Ryan Cummins. So yeah, the history is, is we went to Stanford together. We came down to LA to get into entertainment, specifically focused on cause content. Our passion was using storytelling to inspire action because the beauty of a story in its essence is that it enables you to connect with someone whose experiences are different than your own. And when you do that, you want to help that person. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, you feel more connected so it's a virtuous mm-hmm. cycle. So we did a bunch of different projects along those lines. We were the first directors on Live Earth, which was the biggest concert ever thrown. Um, seven continents in one night to raise awareness from climate change. Al Gore produced it and right. had everyone from the Rolling Stones to Kanye. Um, we did a documentary series called Girl Rising about girls' education in the developing world. It was funded by Oprah and Queen Reign of Jordan, and Meryl Streep was the narrator. We spent a couple years traveling around the world, interviewing the world's greatest thinkers, a couple hundred Nobel Prize winners, and MacArthur Genius Grant recipients. And then we did the Clinton Foundation's big 10th anniversary global television Concert event to celebrate their decade of difference, and worked with everybody from obviously Bill and Hillary to Jay Z and Bono and Bill Gates.
1: Can I so ask you a question? Can I stop for a second and ask about your education? Because you went to Stanford, did you study film? Because it sounds like it's a lot of filmmaking that went into what you did.
2: Yeah, we, uh, we taught ourselves. So I, I majored in economics and political science. So I thought I was gonna. I thought I wanted to go into politics like that was my after school and that's why i went to dc and did that whole thing and then when i was there in washington i realized that was not the path for me i didn't i not that i, I have anything against the people who are you know give their life to service but i just looked at who i was going to become no so yeah we didn't we didn't study Phil we, we taught ourselves writing as we mm-hmm. got here you know and ended up in a Group of friends who've all gone on to do good things in that space, and
0: you had no familial background in this kind of work.
2: No, Orange County is, you know, it's geographically close to LA, but it's culturally very far away, very different. Yeah.
0: Okay, so let's start with the first big event. How did you? What was the uh, the path to that? The concept, the execution, production, so forth. Right?
2: Yeah. So, with the uh, with the first event on Live Earth, or mm-hmm. with Omaze?
0: With Oh,
2: With Omace. Yeah, so basically what happened was you know, we were doing that work and with all those really influential people who authentically wanted to do good, but we realized we weren't doing that much good. We were creating a lot of awareness around these projects, but not a lot of impact. And that was kind of endemic to the cause content space. And so that inspired Ryan and I both to say, okay, we got to figure out a better model to do what we're passionate about. We decided to go to business school and surround ourselves with people smarter than us I went to Wharton and I had never even opened Excel before I went to Wharton. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah, It was a, you know, it's a finance school, as you guys know. I ended up in this amazing group of friends, this amazing class of um, entrepreneurs where out of this group of friends, that none of which had ever started businesses before, was the founder of Beyond Meat, which is a huge company, the founder of Allbirds, which these shoes that I'm wearing. Love that company. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The founder of uh, Warby Parker and the founder of Harry's. And
1: Lola, too. And Lola. That's
2: right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then another company called Patient Ping, which um, is valued at a billion dollars. And another co- company called Aptiv, and another company called Wired Score, which are like, are less, they're like, amazed. They're not as known as those other ones, but are all, like, all with huge kind of trajectories. Yeah.
0: So all of those businesses were for profit businesses, although clearly in new, I mean, when Allbirds first came out, it was the most surprising thing to me as a banker that they did as well as they did because getting eyeballs like that and getting people to buy shoes online was
2: just a superior product. It is, you know? but they had
0: to get people to look at it and to say, okay, I'm gonna buy that. And yeah. you know, there, there's a big leap between okay and hitting the buy button. Now there's no resistance to it, but they were pioneers when they started it.
2: Yeah, he, and, and, and same Warby, thing with Park, Warby Parker. even even the, more because they were a couple I mean, years well, ago. Yeah. Know. And and there was a lot of like, people didn't buy eyeglasses online then. That was that yeah. was an absurd concept. Right. They
1: did a masterful job. I mean, I don't think that enough people Kind of give them credit for the masterful job they did it on the street level with their experiences and their pop ups and their stores too. Yeah, they they had a, a really uh, excellent sort of machine online, but they also had an amazing experience when you when you encountered them mostly after you purchased glasses and you'd just be like, oh well, I want six pairs because I can physically go in and experience it.
2: That's a really insightful point. You know, Neil and Dave and Andy and Jeff are all. Super creative, but also you know very analytical, and they just just kind of let it fly with yeah. you know they had that school bus that went around the yeah, country, exactly. which was really effective. Yeah.
1: they worked with Andy Spade, uh, who had a, a partners in Spade, and mm-hmm. Andy's an old friend. And I just watched what they did, just going, "Oh my god, it's
2: so cool!" Yeah, it was a really cool. watch. Yeah. I learned a lot from them. Yeah, so
1: there, so there you are in this
0: thriving environment. Yeah, and you took a not-for-profit path.
2: Well, so Amaze is for profit. Yeah,
0: it's but it yeah. but it but it does not it does um, not for profit experiences in many cases.
2: That's right. So what happened so, was we were we were in school and then we went to this event that Magic Johnson was hosting for the Boys and Girls Club, where he was auctioning off the chance to play basketball with him and go to a Lakers game. But it was one of those things; that was only available to the high net worth individuals sitting in the room. I'm sure you guys have been to a thousand of mm-hmm. these events at the Beverly Hilton. <laughs> you know that's where it was.
0: Yeah, where the bad and, food. <laughs> yeah, exactly,
2: and. And so we were in the room, Ryan and I, but we were not high net worth individuals. We were the guys who get invited last minute to fill the table. And so we sat and we watched as the auction went up to $15,000. And Magic Johnson is our childhood hero. There's nothing we'd rather do than play basketball with him. But we couldn't afford to participate. And so when we were driving home that night, we said, you know, that doesn't make any sense. The... There's Magic Johnson fans all around the world, not just in that room. In fact, the people around the world care a lot more about playing basketball with him than the people in that room. For sure. If we made it available oh, to sure. all, yeah, they would probably pay not to, yeah. or, you know, like they paid not to come to the event, probably, you know. So we said if they made it available to all those people online for the chance to win, you could raise so much more money, so much more awareness, open up a whole new donor base. And that was the idea.
0: So keep going with that because this was your groundbreaking in what you're doing and the way that you do it. So you guys are talking, sitting around trying to figure this out. And where did the germ of this idea come from?
2: So that was like, we left that night and we're like, this is what it is. It was a aha moment. Like We said, we're going to work with all these talent. We're going to use our content making things to get the word out. We're going to be able yeah. to spread it around the world. You know, They're going to want to do it because they're going to meet everyday people. We're eventually going to raise so much more money and all that kind of stuff. So that was like, we were like screaming in you the car. You were like That's cooks the- in
1: a kitchen in a way because you had the filmmaking capability built into the two of you. Right. You had... Connections because of the uh, kinds of films you had made and the people you had come into contact with, and for you at least, you had this notion of like the world is my community. Like your attitude is that because of your childhood.
2: I never thought about it that way, but yeah.
1: Like I can ask that question. What's the big deal? Right.
2: Right. That's a great point. Yeah. So
0: so you have this idea. You you cultivate it. You guys sit around. You make a business plan. So we're
2: still in business school at that point, both of us. Ryan's Ryan's at UCLA. And I'm at Wharton. Ryan's 29. I'm 31 at that point. Okay. And so we're in school. We like quit all of our other classes, basically, and just focus on this. And then we also get hired at that same time to do the Clinton Foundation Decade of Difference concert. And the guy who this guy named Kevin Wall, who's do you know Kevin. Mm -hmm. Kevin. And he says, he says no, we're, 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 we we're said, no, we're working on this thing. We had done Live Earth with him, too. And he said, look, I'll be your first investor. You'll meet all these other talent. Like, come do them both at the same time. So we, we worked out of a storage closet in Kevin's office um, doing both of those at the same time.
1: So you had, um, like, a table shoved in a storage closet. Yeah, we still have it in our office. Yeah,
2: <laughs> and then he literally, halfway through, he put more crap in there. And so we literally couldn't even see each other between, like, file folders. And then we just started going out and trying to get, like, some friends to do the first ones. The first one we ever did was to be a guest judge on Cupcake Wars because my <laughs> friend Justin Williman was the host and it raised $785. So we went we so off to a smashing got, so, start.
0: So talk about what Omaze is so that our listeners understand exactly How what it works. is that you Yeah, absolutely.
2: Do. So Omaze raises money and awareness for charity by offering the chance to win once-in-a-lifetime experiences. We've done everything from be mentored by Michelle Obama to riding in a tank with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Crush Things to win a Lamborghini where Pope Francis hands you the keys but rather than one high net worth individual paying 25 or fifty thousand dollars we make it so that anybody in the world can donate ten dollars for the chance to win and as a result it raises two to sometimes 50x for the charity.
1: And so the choosing let's talk about that How does the person get chosen?
2: It's totally random
1: okay, and you have like uh Ernst and young selecting it like do you have, what are the regulations around that, just quickly
2: so we work with this company called random dot org okay which does the Scottish and Irish and UK lotteries, lotteries. yeah. And it's a bunch of stats PhDs out of Trinity College in London who are obsessed with the concept of true randomness. Yeah. They yeah. detest pseudo randomness, which is computer generated so randomness. You
1: have a, a, an impeccable randomizer. Yes,
2: and and it's very and it's transparent. So you can go on and see who is selected and and how all that works. Sure. Yeah.
0: Sure. So now you have this idea. First event, you go out. How do you get traction? How do you get eyeballs?
2: We did not get traction for a very long time. Um, Seven hundred
0: eighty-five dollars was probably all of your friends <laughs> buying five-dollar tickets. That, yeah,
2: exactly. Right. That was that, and yeah. So we kept doing these small campaigns. Uh, you know, we got we got Chris Lloyd, who I'd played basketball with, to do something around Modern Family, and Tim Timothy Oliphant who's a Whose house I used to live at, like, to do something around Justified. So we got friends to do this stuff, but they weren't working very well. We tried just, you know, we thought just PR would pick it up, and that was not happening for us. And we thought that, um, you know, we could just do some Facebook posts, but that that wasn't working great. And then and then we were really, like, struggling. We did not know what we were doing, and we were almost out of money. And then this other company came along, and they launched a campaign with Jamie Oliver, and it raised 180000 and the most we'd raised was 18,000 at that point. So we thought that, that sounded like a billion dollars to us. Right. And, and so we're like, how did they do that? Well, at least our, some of our team was like, oh, we'll never be able to do that. They're so much better. And I was like, no, that shows that we can do, so that's possible, you know, so we can do it too. And, I
0: think I remember this. So I got, like you got to cook with him or yeah, something? Exactly.
2: Yeah, exactly. So it was another company and then- you shall
1: remain nameless. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: It's called Prize. Yeah. Obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and they had really smart guys working there and- um, we had gotten a hold of Brian Cranston and this was right as Breaking Bad was coming to the final season and we thought, Okay, this is our chance to be like our breakout. And then at the same time, Prizeo did another one with this, with Samuel L. Jackson where he called out Brian Cranston in the kind of fundraiser and raised like two hundred and fifty thousand or something like that. And or no, raised it, that one raised Jamie Oliver raised one hundred twenty, that one raised one hundred and eighty thousand. So then um, That was
0: your event? No,
2: that was prize deals also with samuel jackson and during it like he was on reddit and people would donate five thousand dollars for him to do a monologue and he did the i am the danger monologue from breaking bad and so it began it went viral and so they reached out to brian said look if you just respond to this instead of doing this with omaze you'll raise so much more money we've raised one hundred eighty thousand; those guys haven't raised like a tenth of that and so we got a call from brian's people saying he's going to do this with Prizio, and he was our last chance we had one month of cash left and we're like no he can't like please. Like, like we, we had an agreement, like you can't do it. And she said, I'm sorry. Like, that's just the deal. And I said, well, where is he right now? And she said, he's at this charity event. Like, and so we went to the charity event <laughs> and we snuck in and we went up to Brian and said, look, you don't know us, but we're the gosh, we we talked on the phone that one time and you know, we were going to do this thing together, but now you're going to this other company and like, we really got to do it. And he said, Look, guys, it's nothing personal. It's about raising money for the charity. And these guys said we can raise like two hundred thousand dollars. And I said, well, we can raise two hundred fifty thousand dollars. And he said, so what's the most you've ever? Room? He, he said, what's the I most you've care, ever let me raised? Pull that out of the air. Yeah, he said, what's <laughs> the most you've ever raised? I said, eighteen thousand dollars. And he's like, "Well, how are you going to do that?" I said, "Look, we we have to like this. We we have to make this work. Like this is supposed to happen. Like we'll do. We'll be so creative. We'll make content for the first time. We've never. We haven't done videos. This is what we're good at. Like we'll we'll find a way. We'll be creative." And it ended up raising three hundred thousand dollars. Wow. wow! So awesome. what's the
0: business model? So you raised three hundred thousand dollars for this event yeah. after doing all that. You have expenses because you made a video. Yeah. you had to promote it and do that. Yeah. So how do, how do you figure out what your model is to deliver back to? The chosen charity, yeah, and you make a profit because you're a for-profit yeah, for business a that has a p- charitable bias.
2: That's right. So I'll just talk about what the way the model is exactly kind of now. So say we have two parts of our business. We have the the talent side, and then we have what we call a base own, which is more prizes like cars and erase your student debt and trips and in that kind of stuff. So on the talent side, say if we go raise a million dollars on a campaign. We basically set it up so there's about $250,000 that goes into costs of the credit card transaction fees, the refunds, the flying the person out from whether they win. But mostly goes to like Facebook and Instagram marketing. But that's our secret sauce. So it's like to a,
1: produce and market the
2: Produce, thing. create the content, yeah. But we invest in advertising because charities aren't allowed to ad- advertise, which is totally ridiculous. Like, everything that for-profit companies are allowed to do, charities are not allowed to do. They're not allowed to advertise. They're not allowed to, you know, hire great talent and pay them market rates. No, as not- the
0: chairman of a charity, though, I support that decision. I don't think we should be doing that with with, invest- with uh, donated capital. And, yeah, yeah I mean, that's I'm, those are the rules. But I also agree with that. I mean, we could make the case that I could, if I had, because I, I founded Teen America yeah. with the who and if I hadn't if I ran commercials or you know did things that were uh, that cost the charity money and got more money back from it you could make the case that everybody benefits but um, we, I don't I don't like it so we don't do that I'd much rather do what you're doing
2: right well so we're essentially because that is difficult for you we are taking that on where we can do that on your behalf as a service right and so as a result the breaking bad one that we did with Brian and then Aaron afterwards, they had done it in an auction with no advertising, whatever. It raised $40,000. With us, it raised $1.7 But they know?
0: donated themselves to you, too.
2: They did right, but then we then we're using money, we're investing capital as it's coming in to then put more you know fuel on the fire. So right. we are we are essentially advertising, but but they're just then getting a check at the end that in, you every, know, in
0: almost every case, if I understand correctly, the prize I guess would be the right word yeah. is donated to you. Brian donates his time, Aaron donates his time
2: on this on the talent side. It is donated on the car side. We're usually buying the cars. You know, we're buying a two hundred fifty thousand dollar McLaren, but with that we can go out and we can raise a million dollars or something mm-hmm. like that but mm-hmm. then you know the the percentage that goes the charity is lower but they don't have to do anything they're just getting a check in every case do you
0: have a dedicated charity that's the recipient of that event yes so and how do you how do they come to you? keep going back through the business model. So you mm. had this you had the um successful event that you just talked about. Right. And that launched you. Yeah. And you had Brian as a guy and he said yes and you raised more money than you thought. Yeah. What's the share in something like that? So the that?
2: way it goes is we essentially we split the net after all the cost, eighty, twenty With the charity. 80 to
0: the charity, 22.
2: 20 to us on the talent side. On the prize side, we split the net 50-50 because we're taking all the risk and the charity's not doing anything. We're just sending them a Mm -hmm. check. And so the way that plays out is essentially we just do it as a fixed fee model because we've done a thousand of these campaigns, so we know how it plays out every time. So on a say a Brian Cranston campaign raises a million dollars, two hundred fifty thousand will go into the marketing, the content, the credit card transactions, the refunds, the pricing. Six hundred thousand will go to the charity partner, and one hundred fifty thousand will go to Omaze. Right. So that's basically how that plays out. So. And how
0: does how does somebody participate in that? So you guys just did a wildly acclaimed transaction with George Clooney.
2: Yeah. Which was <laughs>
0: I was that your biggest event yet?
2: No. No. He I mean it was great, but we've had we've had bigger than that one.
0: So tell so tell tell our listeners how you get an opportunity to buy a chance to have dinner with George.
2: Yeah. So you just basically come on to omaze.com slash amal and George. And you can enter anything from $10 up to whatever you want. And with that, you get entries for the chance to win. And you do it all on omaze.com. And so the way it happens is, like, we'll do a video with George um, where we're talking, where we'll we'll make a funny video where George is talking about, you know, that chance to come meet him in a mall. And our director's like, people really just want to meet a mall. So can we just focus on that? You know, and, get, <laughs> and it's just back and forth. And he's like, well, no, I was, you know, she's a human rights lawyer. And I was sexiest man of the year you know that that kind of stuff um so but that (laughs) video yeah yeah yeah. he's so funny so that will spread via pr our email we have a huge email list um he doesn't have social media so we run it through amaze's social media Um, but just getting the word out there but it was on good morning america and today's show and all that um people find about it they'll come to amaze they'll enter for the chance to win and then um someone is randomly selected
0: and does every does every event that you do have the same ticket price, the same chance price?
2: It's the the same entry price, but then you can buy more, as many as you want. You can buy as many as you want.
0: So, the, how much is an entry price for one chance?
2: Uh, Ten dollars. And that's yes.
0: that's stayed the same since you guys have started since the beginning. This year? Yeah. And so at ten dollars, people come in. They'll buy a thousand dollars worth of tickets, so they'll buy a hundred tickets. That's and, right. And then to keep it pure, you have somebody select the randomly select the winner.
2: That's correct.
1: Yeah, I was. Gonna, I want to ask you two things, and, and the second mm. thing is about a winner. I'd yeah. love to hear a story of a winner. But before that, I want to ask about. Let's go back to Brian Cranston. Once that happened, did it create a flywheel effect of him telling people about? the amazing experience because it was a pretty, it was a pretty edgy kind of emotional, like run up to him saying yes to you yeah. and then having that huge success. I mean, did he talk about it? Was there talk value? Did the, did the sort of celebrity network start to kind of be more willing to talk to you guys after that?
2: Absolutely. That changed the course of Amaze, fundamentally. Yeah. So he, he, did the campaign, and then he told Aaron Paul, his co-host, whose wife Lauren is amazing and had founded a charity called Kind Campaign, which addresses girl-on-girl bullying, that you should do something too. And so they did something around the finale, where you got to ride up in a Winnebago with Aaron and Brian, you got to cook eggs, wear the hazmat suits, and then watch the very last episode of Breaking Bad um, before anyone else. And that one raised 1.7 million. Oh my god. And then, so you're thinking what charity cre- was that for for kind for campaign? Kind campaign. Yeah. Okay,
0: say say the name of that ch- charity again because you said it so fast. I didn't I kind
2: wanna, campaign.
0: Kind campaign. Kind. Yeah, I want to make sure yeah. we say it correctly. Like be now. kind to people. Yeah.
2: And then that got the attention of Katie McGrath and JJ Abrams, and he was doing the first Star Wars, and they said, "Hey, do you want to do one where you get to someone gets to be in Star Wars?" And this was right when Star Wars was coming back. You know, we were only we were only five people on our team at that time. We're like, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, but like quietly <laughs> we're like, holy shit. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, we did that. And that one raised $5.26 million. And we were really on the map at that so point. So you had a
1: flywheel effect after that. That's right. Impassioned moment. And I mean, I think it's a, it's a, it's a endorsement of, you know, really, if you feel strongly about going out there and putting yourself on the line in that way, you have to do
2: it. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, you know, so many people start things. They look at they look at other entrepreneurs and say, like these stories get told in reverse of where every step you made was with kind of like prescience and courage, and we were so scared and did not know what we're doing. But did, you know, the ultimate fuel of persistence is in serving others. Right? We really felt like we could contribute something significant to the world, and that drove us through all these times when we were so scared and okay. out of money and sneaking into in a debt. charity
1: event to beg somebody to not leave you right <laughs> like what year was what a moment this?
2: what year do we sneak into the event yeah. that was in 2013 wow. so from
0: 2013 till now how much money have you raised for charities
2: so we have netted over 110 million dollars for charities like actually put in their pockets 110 million dollars for wow. charities That's
0: amazing. and how many are you now You had a staff of five. How many are you now?
2: We're 104.
0: And so you're running multiple campaigns at any given time.
2: Yeah, we'll do 300 this year.
0: In in your experiences of doing this, what are the most successful types of campaigns? They're all experiential, right? So which is the ones that are the one that you can count on? If I put that up, I know I'm going to get X number of dollars back for that.
2: We look at a function of scarcity times promotion, right? So... How unique is it? Going to Lake Como and meeting George and Amal is very unique. And then what is our capacity to promote? Well, they don't have social, but we can create a fun video and get it out there. So that's that's a really good one. But there's some where they may not be, you know, the same kind of name like that. Like there's a guy named Sam Hewen. Who's the star of the show called Outlander and he raised 3.1 million for his charity Mike Peak challenge and he's not you guys I don't know if you know his name I didn't know his name beforehand he's an amazing charming guy, but he's got this just rabid fan base and like great social engagement and as a result he was one of our highest performing campaigns of all time but
1: he helped you take that to market with his social platform exactly exactly yeah
2: but so he wouldn't you wouldn't when you think of the most scarce experiences on earth he wouldn't be the first person that pops into mind but because his promotion is so strong yeah he was able to do that yes yeah, so. or we've done stuff with casey neistat who's a youtube influencer like legendary influencer amazing guy and we gave away a tesla model three with him to Benefit Kid Power, which is an amazing charity, which is building these solar water farms all around the world and changing people's lives. But because his his fan base was so strong and helping it get it out, like it did so well.
1: Mm-hmm. The second piece about the fans I'm, I'm curious about because there, there's a specific story of working with Bono. Oh, yeah. And – I'd love to hear that story from what the structure of it was, who won it, what the experience was like for them. Can you share that?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, so we did a partnership with Bono and his charity Red, which is helps end the transmission of HIV from mother to child. And so the opportunity was to go meet Bono backstage in at a concert. And this was, again, back when we were about five people. And so I was the one to go kind of do this you know, experience. But anyway, but what happened is there's this young girl named Chloe Howard, who's at the time was 15 years old, living in Northern California. And she was born with a clubbed foot. And when she went to high school, this group of mean girls started picking on her. And one day they pinned her down on a table during lunch in front of everyone in the school. There were six of these girls holding her down and they pulled off her shoe to show everyone in the school what what her deformed foot looked like. And obviously she was traumatized by that. She went home and locked herself in her room and her dad and mom, Dane and Lori, who are these amazing people, didn't know what to do. They were really worried about their daughter. And her dad's a huge U2 fan. And so he started sharing her U2 songs. And she really latched onto this song called Invisible, which basically says like, you can't see me, but I'm here. And she started listening to it every single day on loop on the way to school. And at the same time, her dad entered into that contest to meet Bono backstage, and he won. So, cut to a couple months later. Uh, I know,
0: sitting cut. here crying. <laughs> me too.
2: And so, cut to four months later. I'm backstage in this tiny room, half the size of this room, and it's me and Chloe and Dane, her dad. And then there's uh, and Bono walks in, and there's a red guitar, and he signs the guitar, and then he says to Dane, "You know, tell me your story." He says, look, I'm your biggest fan. You've been the soundtrack to my life, but this isn't about me. This is about my daughter Chloe's story. And he said, well, what's your story, Chloe? She said, I was assaulted, and your song, Invisible, helped me get through it. And he said, you were insulted, like they called you names? She said, no, I was assaulted. And you could just feel it in the room obviously I didn't know the backstory obviously Bono didn't know the backstory but by the way she said it and he's obviously a very emotionally intelligent person you could pick up there was some serious gravity to this and he said well how did invisible help you she said it gave me the strength to stand up for myself it gave me the strength to stand up to those girls who did this to me it gave me the strength to stand up to my school so it doesn't happen to someone else and he said oh my
0: god yeah it's such a tearjerker I know
2: and he said well you know why you were able to do that because the arc of the universe bends towards justice and love. And when you have right on your side, it's like this big fist, not to hurt someone with, but to fight for what's right. You could see her taking that in. And then he said, what's your passion, Chloe? And she kind of shook her head. She was embarrassed. And she kind of said, I, I, I haven't figured it out yet. I, I, I don't know. He said, that's okay. We have a prayer in my family and we're not a righteous family. We say this prayer in church, but we also say this prayer in a pub. And the prayer is, I am available for work. He said, make yourself available for work and it will be revealed to you. And you could just see in this moment, it was the most magical moment I've ever experienced because obviously the way that Bono says this is much more poetic (laughs) than the way that I can say it. But- This girl just was literally transformed before our eyes. You could see this weight just like lifting off and flying up to the skies. She goes home and she decides she's going to use this experience for good. She starts telling other girls who've been bullied about this story and what Bono said to her. And they really respond. And a mom hears about it from another school and says, hey, can you come to our school and talk to about it? So she goes to another school. Then another mom hears and she goes to another school. And then she decides, well, this has got some momentum. I'm going to call it something. And she calls it Stand Beautiful, which is to embrace your differences. And then she gets asked to do a TEDx talk. She does a TEDx talk. There's a publisher from Penguin Random House Books there. They give her a book deal. She writes a book called Stand Beautiful. Now she tours around the world, helping people who've had these differences and, and just spreading inspiration.
1: Oh. Amen.
2: Amen. Oh, and the, and this is the crazy, craziest part. The red guitar that he signed. When we are in the room, Dane, her father said to Bono, said, when was the last time you played that guitar? And he said, "Oh, I don't, I don't know, but I, I can't. I don't track these things. But we have someone whose job it is to track these things. We'll make sure you get his email and and ask him. He'll know. His name is Gary. So, Danny." Email is Gary. Gary has no idea of any of this backstory. He writes back, the last time Bono played that guitar was in Dublin in the studio when he was writing the song Invisible. Invisible? Oh, my Ooh, God. Oh, my
0: God. Talk about serendipity. Yeah. Oh, my Jesus. God. Total body chill bumps. <laughs> That's unbelievable. <laughs> wow. That's really an amazing That's story. That's an amazing story. So, uh, it's a
2: ripple effect of good. Right. It
0: is.
1: It is. It's a, That's a fantastic story. And you've created this perfect kind of machine to do this thing that creates a chance for everybody. So everybody gets to think about and participate in a way. And it amplifies what an individual famous person can create from doing an action of charity and support.
0: What's the downside? Right. Have you had
1: any so, uh, negative loop feedback?
2: I mean, m- most of it's been very positive. And I think what people respond to is we're all like connected in one network, like we all have this mutual destiny. And there's some people in this network that have greater reach than others. And so we're making the most of that. But the downside that we get is kind of what we were speaking to earlier, which is people really struggle with the idea of a company being for profit in the charity space. You know, if you look at the history of charity in the world, it was started in the US, it basically started when the Calvinists came over from England to start a new life. And they were literally kind of taught to hate themselves So they got here and they started making all this money. The Calvinists were very aggressive capitalists. And and then they started thinking, wow, we might not go to heaven. Like with all this money we're making, we should do something about that. So they created the concept of charity and it became this tithing. This thing was totally separate from commerce. And that's permeated up through our society in a way that's like really powerful. And so... People still struggle with the idea of for-profit company in the space. They struggle that we're not giving hundred percent of the proceeds to the charity, and in some cases, it's you know it's sixty percent of the gross. Or some cases, it's fifteen percent of the gross if it's a car that's really expensive. And so, it takes a lot for people to wrap their head around that and recognize that this is money that they would not have had otherwise. It's like literally be, be yeah. being created. So your, the charities all love it. Like actually, they 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 all the love blended,
0: it. What's the blended? Because some of these things you get for free. Yeah, like an experience meeting Bono was yeah. for free, and some of these things work. It's a car. Yeah, it costs money. Yeah, what is your blended rate
2: on sixty on the talent? Sixty percent of the gross goes mm-hmm. to the charity partner. And on the cars and trips and stuff, it ends up 15% of the gross goes to the charity partner. Mm-hmm. And so we also get 15%, and the rest is costs.
0: So you're blended in at about, I'm guessing, based upon what you just said, I'm going to say you're probably in that 40-ish percent range.
2: Yeah, that's about somewhere Which in there. Which seems
0: extremely, I mean, as a person who runs a charity, yeah. um, and I do, then we have, when we host an event, we have a hard 10% expense ratio.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but we're lucky because we get everything donated. You know, people right. come and they donate, but we still have fixed costs that we have nothing we can do about that. So, my response to what you just said is that if I have a host an event in a backyard of my friend's house, I have to have seating, I have to have food, I have to have bathrooms. You know, we can't have 1,000 people without having services. We have hard costs, and the rest of the money goes to the charity. And so, it's, it's identical to what you're saying. You have hard costs. Right. And you're doing all the work and you're employing 130 people. And you have to have you have to pay them in order to go out and do this. Have you ever had anybody be grumpy about one of their experiences?
2: No, we really haven't. So the you make sure that amazing. The, yeah. You make
0: sure that you kn- you knock the cover off the ball when somebody wins that experience. They get exactly what they. Oh, has to a
2: winner been grumpy? Yes, yeah. we do. We care. We work really hard because we create a whole experience for them before they ever meet the talent. Right? We surprise them on video. Like we have them meet the team. They, you, you have to remember they get flown out from wherever they live in the world, I mean, all over the world. Right. And so unlike maybe an auction winner who has paid a lot of money, has some really high expectations, these people are like plucked into a hero's journey, you know? And so it's just I think the type of people that contribute to this type of thing is just tend to be, I don't know, it's just self-selecting. But we have a lot of stories that are not as powerful as Chloe's, but like are really like amazing.
1: What is the average number of chances a person buys?
2: The... Each
1: ticket's $10, right? Right.
2: Each ticket's $10. The average is – the average donation value is $26. Okay. So it's not like this is – So some are buying $1 and some
0: are
1: buying 100 and so the overall average – Yeah, but the vast
2: majority, like 84% of the winners have contributed under $100. Well,
1: if a young person wanted to come and work on your team, what kind of a person is good at doing all aspects, including being that sort of chaperone?
2: Well, you know, obviously we specialize very much. You yeah. know, like the, generally, what we're looking for people who come join is that they take their work seriously, but not themselves. Yeah. You know, we really believe laughter is the shortest distance between two people, two so people. you have to live by yeah. that, and we our content is based off that. Someone who is practices gratitude that recognizes that we're really lucky that we get to do something that has such a ripple effect in the world to know that every day that you, every minute you spend working harder, like someone's life is better as a result of that. Like that's an amazing feeling, but also you can have economic opportunity for yourself to Mm -hmm. take care of your own family. And
1: it's gratitude for the winner as much as it is gratitude for being in the presence of the prize.
2: Just gratitude that you get to spend your days working at a company that's doing this. And the fact that we even still exist is like so improbable, you know?
0: you get inbound uh, phone calls from people like George and saying, I want to raise money for this charity, so do well, a JJ campaign was for me? JJ right? Yeah, JJ JJ, JJ was Abrams won. was yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. What's yeah, we the do. ratio now, more Are inbound? inbound
2: or? to outbound? I would say it's probably 50-50, maybe 60-40 inbound to outbound. Mm-hmm. But you know, we have a team who still like starts these things up and makes them aware of what's going on. But it's a small team. That's only four You're of them. You're here the, in LA. Yeah, we're here in LA.
0: Do you have a lot of competition?
2: You know, there's the company I mentioned before, Prizeo, which is great, Um, If Only, which I know you guys have worked with, which is great. Um, There's CrowdRise and GoFundMe, which don't focus on this, but do still do some of this kind of stuff. But we really view our competition as, like, direct mail, like outdated outdated ways of fundraising, you know, like where we're really trying to, like, open up the world. Um, And we also, we actually also... People who contribute on Amaze like they don't do that instead of their char- charitable giving, right? It's almost instead of their leisure time. So we're actually trying to get people to spend time with the dream of having this experience and connecting to social impact and like really enjoy that versus you mm-hmm. know maybe they would have spent play- like gaming or something else mm-hmm. like.
0: It's super interesting. and My only experiences uh, on this have been so far the one I mentioned to you, where we had an if only campaign for the Wembley yeah. show. I don't, I don't know the right way to say this, but when they pitched us, I sort of did like, oh, okay, you know, like how's that going to go, right? right? It was stunning. It was absolutely stunning. I was really surprised at the outcome, in an amazingly positive way. I completely think that what the work you're doing is great work. Thank and that you. you're doing a great service and that you're making it so uniformly fair. Everybody has the same chance. So I'm super proud of the work you're doing. I really am. I think you guys are changing the world. So I'm really happy to have had a chance to uh, meet you today. Thank you for saying I really that. am.
1: And congratulations on building a company that is, you know, saying things like being grateful every single day for being in this space doing this work. Because I think, like Bono said, that, that sort of heart-centered love, you know, being driven by love and and making things better is, is a really powerful thing. And you don't hear it a lot inside sort of the internal communications of a company, a for-profit company. So it's super great. And that's your
0: perseverance and nice. you know, doing what you did. I,
1: I'm, so, I'm so impressed by this,
0: really. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate you coming today and telling us this story.
2: I'm very grateful Thanks, for you guys Matt. having me. You have such a good well, spirit and love in this room and on great. your podcast. It's yeah. really illuminating. Love that. Thank,
0: thank you. you. Next time, our guest will be Paul Olinger. He attended Rhodes College and borrowed $100,000 to get an MBA, but during a business school talent show, he performed stand-up for the first time and got bit by the comedy bug. And even though comedy was his true passion, he took the safer path and found a steady job to help pay back his loans. Paul worked in digital media for companies like Launch.com, Yahoo, and Facebook, where he rose to be VP of West Coast Sales. He soon realized that comedy was his true passion and he was never going to be truly fulfilled, doing anything other than giving stand-up his full attention. Today, Paul travels around North America, performing at festivals and in top comedy clubs, sharing the stage with top comics like Dave Attell, Norm MacDonald, Bill Burr, Mark Maron, and many more. He's the host of his recently launched podcast, Crazy Money, interviewing entrepreneurs, celebrities, authors, and artists with a humorous perspective on money, wealth, and careers. So join us when we rewind to the beginning with Paul Olinger on the next Say It Forward. And for more podcasts featuring funny men, check out our podcast with Howie Mandel and TV comedy writer Greg
1: Garcia. Thanks for listening to Say It Forward. Help us grow by subscribing to our podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or at www.sayitforwardpodcast.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on the iTunes store or like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.